0: This special episode was recorded live for the National Farmers Federation through its Women in Agriculture Leadership Facebook group. We give some tough topics visibility through our conversation on leadership, careers, motherhood and everything in between.
1: Hello and welcome to a very special Women in Agriculture Leadership live interview. I'm Stacey Davidson from the National Farmers Federation media and communications team. We're so happy to have you all here today. Before I get started, I want to acknowledge the owners of the land from which we all come from today. I'd also like to say this is being recorded. The recording will be made available to the Facebook group, and I'm also really excited to say it will appear on a friend of mine podcast by Oak Magazine, which is the perfect segue to our very special guest host, uh, Kimberly Finesse. Hi, Kimberly. Hello. Thank you for having me so welcome. Kimberly is the founder and editor of print publication Oak Magazine. She's a Bendigo local and has long been a cheerleader for rural and regional women and their endeavours. After taking out the title of this year's Rural Women's Award for Victoria and national runner-up, congratulations, she has learned to back herself and be her own cheerleader. In 2017, the mother of four launched Oak magazine in just six weeks from concept to print. Oak shares the stories of women in business across regional and rural Australia and is a community ecosystem of print, digital events and audio, including not one but two podcasts and a new podcast fan to travel around Australia. What's very special about what Kimberly has done is she has created a community of like minded women, a community that feels safe and isn't tainted by tall poppy. Rather, it feels celebratory, inclusive and inspiring. And I encourage everyone to check it out. Today, Kimberly is going to chat with Prue Cook in a very special interview for our group. Hi, Prue, and thank you for joining us. Hello, it's very great to be here. Prue is a graduate from the National Farmers Federation Diversity in Agriculture Leadership Program. Prue started her own business, Nine Creeks Consulting in Dimbula in 2020 in the early stages of the pandemic and just seven months after the birth of her first child. While Prue admits starting a business was absolutely terrifying, it was the only way she could have the flexibility she needed to be a mum in a regional area without making big sacrifices to her career. Before we kick off, I have to say a big shout out to the many partners who make the diversity program and this page possible. There are too many to mention, but they do share a common goal. That is to increase gender diversity within the leadership ranks of their industry. It's going to be an interesting chat today as well. Kimberly and Prue share common ground. Their experiences, approaches and how they make things work are quite different. If you have any questions for them, please pop them in the chat. Before I hand the reins over to you, Kimberly, I want to ask you if you can tell us a little bit about your situation. You have this incredible multifaceted business, but with that comes travel, deadlines, and long hours. And on top of that, you're a mum to four kids. What are some of the key ingredients for you to making all of this happen? And yeah, can you tell us, do you even get work-life balance? (laughs)
0: Uh, Look, it's so interesting that I do get asked so often, so how do you make it work? How do you juggle it all? And uh, I don't do it on my own. I I think that really is the answer. I have this incredible partner at home um, who pretty much walks around and picks up all my drop balls, uh, makes lunch boxes, signs permission slips, cooks tea, um, you know, just so that I can actually walk out that door Uh, focused on what I have to do and not worry about what's happening at home or, you know, if someone has odd socks on and yeah, just fulfill my passion. I I think that's the thing and feel on purpose because, and in saying this, this has taken me a long time to get to this point and and it wasn't always the case, especially uh, when we had our first, which was almost 16 years ago. Uh, But yeah, I'm just so grateful for that. And um in terms of balance, like, you know, I've watched lots of Netflix. (laughs) I've been shows all the time. I still read books. Uh, it, it, that I suppose for me is my wind down time. I mean, honestly, I could probably spend that a lot better, you know, going for a run, walking, going for the gym, but you know, it's all about finding something that works for you. And for me that I just can switch off completely, uh, you know, lose myself in, in a book, or a show or even going to the cinemas because I can't get on my phone. And maybe that's the whole point, isn't it? Um, You know, being, I suppose, removed from our phone removes us from all these expectations and and having to get back to people and all these, you know, little concerns that turn into big problems. So um, I think that's, yeah, I, I don't know if I've got the right balance yet, Stacey, but yeah, I'm working at it.
1: Yeah, and I love the fact that you've you've got to find what's right for you. It's no two people are the same. So um I also understand in your house you're the main breadwinner. Can you tell us a little bit about this?
0: Yeah, so I was certainly the main breadwinner. Uh when it came to probably our second and third, especially. Uh when I had my first, I realized, oh to be honest, my husband realized before I did that I'm just not great at staying home looking after a baby. It's it's just not good for my mental health. Uh, I just kept feeling like I, I'm not doing enough. I'm not achieving enough. I'm losing my spot in the workforce as well. So it just so happened that my husband wanted to go back to uni and, and study to be a teacher. And yeah, it seemed like the perfect fit for us to roll reverse. So he sort of did all that he was the parent taking the kids along to uni and sitting there in class while they're, you know, tapping on a fish tank and running up and down the aisle. Whereas, yeah, I was the main breadwinner. So I was able to get my foot back in the door into um, corporate comms and marketing. So I have a journalism background uh, and then did beauty therapy and then had to work my way back in and up. Uh, So, you know, and with that I've been able to do it without the mum guilt, but my gosh, there were so many times I'd get a phone call saying, you know, Hey, are you coming home anytime soon? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I've just got this one more thing to do. And I think the the worst memory I have looking back is um getting a phone call to say, you know, it's our third daughter's birthday. Just wondering if you picked up that cake today. And I'm like, Oh my God, I totally didn't get to that. Um, And I was running late anyway. So it was a quick you know trip to the supermarket a bucket of ice cream lollies and some candles and um took it home and i think it's one of our best birthday cakes it's sort of a tradition now that we just have ice cream with with heaps of lollies um but yeah there was a lot of pressure on me for that there's a lot of um you have to put up with a lot of people looking in and giving commentary on what type of parent you are because you're not that stay at home parent um and it's so interesting we start with oh i love my children you know but I just had to go back to work for my own mental health. Like we all love our children. I don't know why we start with that, you know, that little segue into it. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're both full-time workers now and and probably, look, he does most of the work. Um, but,
1: yeah, it works for us now. Yeah, great. Well, oh, thanks for sharing that. And um, I think we could do a whole webinar on mum guilt, and that, that topic. Absolutely. Um, when organising this webinar, Kimberly, you shared with us, um, and you've sort of touched on it just before, you had postpartum depression. And I know there'd be many women out there who appreciate how hard that is to share. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what that looked like for you and what you learnt from it?
0: Yeah. Look, I it's probably not something I talk a lot about to be honest. Uh I think those who know me uh, probably haven't heard me talk about it at all. It's um something we've kept really tight in the circle and there is no reason for that to be honest. Um it's probably more of a personal reason. Uh but for us it was it was with our first um uh we were living in Melbourne. Um, I'm from Bendigo. So we were living in the city uh you know I you feel isolation anywhere. I know that we say, and and look, I do this through the mag that isolation is definitely most felt by those living in, you know, rural and remote areas, but it's for anyone removed from their community. Uh, so I didn't have my community around me when I was in Melbourne. Uh, my husband was working as a landscape gardener at the time on the other side of the city. So he was gone from five till seven every day. And um, I'd had a cesarean as well. So I, I couldn't get out and do what I wanted to do. And um, yeah, I, my poor husband, he come home one day and I just wasn't there. I'd, I'd packed up my stuff and gone back to Bendigo. I just, I could not do it anymore. And um, yeah, so we'd sort of started i mean he's he realized it before i did uh that yeah i wasn't coping in that situation and so yeah that was me going back to work full time putting our youngest into our family daycare he's fine he's smart he was looked after i mean do you know what I mean? that's all the narrative you get you know it's not great to put our kids in full time should be staying at home with them and looking after them but honestly it was the best thing that worked for me and i know this sounds selfish but honestly we have to look after ourselves to be able to look after you know our whole family unit and be a really strong unit so as it came to the next two uh we obviously knew that i sort of went back at that 3 month mark and when it came to our fourth though i was working for myself i didn't suffer any postnatal um I was just in a really good place and I, I don't know if that's because I had purpose you know I I'd had Oakley and I was able to go straight back into what I do and fit it in have that flexibility to you know, to get up and, and work on something and create some social media posts and help build a website for a client. And um yeah, that's sort of what's worked for us. But, you know, I think more and more we're starting to talk more openly about it. Uh, I think we need to, absolutely. And um yeah, hopefully by sharing, you know, your story, you're helping someone else feel a little less alone and and to know that, yeah, they're not the only one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and do appreciate you talking about that with us today. So no, no, it's not easy. So um and I think uh emotional health, mental health, like it is a learning curve in life and it can change on our situations and circumstances. So um yeah, again, thank you. Um and I'm now going to hand over to you and Prue to have a chat. Um so over to you. Lovely. Okay. Hey.
0: Well, um, again, thank you so much for having me as a host. Uh, it's such a good opportunity to talk live again. I mean, I haven't done this for a while. This used to just be, um, you know, in and out every day, didn't it, during the last two years? But before we do start, I would like to acknowledge the Jhajawarang people, who are the traditional owners of the land on which um, I'm working on today. And I'd like to pay my respects to elders past and present. Now, it was actually only last week that I came across an article in a newsletter in my inbox talking about a study into pregnant women still being demoted, sacked and discriminated against. And I understand why so many women are hesitant to maybe start a family or, you know, thinking about their career. Like, how does this fit in with career? When's the right time? Because, you know, we're worried on how do we hold on to where we are on that ladder? Prue, you've experienced this firsthand. Like I was reading the article and and obviously from our chat uh, previously, I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is exactly what's happened to to Prue. Um, That was a catalyst for you starting your own business. Do you want to talk us through how you came to start your own business because the workplace that you were in didn't provide that flexibility?
2: Yeah, thanks, Kimberly. And yeah, look, I I sort of, you know, you have that You know that you know get established in your career before you before you have kids, and that will make it easy to get back in. And like, well, I did that, and it didn't really work. So, um, but you know, I had you know when I got pregnant, was having some conversations, and you know, just sort of got this vibe, a bit of a vibe that you know they weren't looking to fill a placement, but that they might be looking to replace me. And, um, you know, speaking to a fellow senior manager and they said, oh, you've got to remember, Prue, that women here go on maternity leave and they don't come back. And, you know, just before, you know, just before my daughter was born premature and just before that happened, you know, there was some PDs and none of them were advertised as a maternity leave position. And, um, you know, sitting there in the hospital with just this, and I asked a question about it and I never got an answer as to what that meant so I sort of had this the vibe that, you know, things weren't going to be easy. And so I'm sitting there early on going, oh, you know, what does this mean? And then I started having some return to work conversations. And they had some, some, some tasks, some projects that they wanted me to do, but I couldn't see see that there was a clear pathway and that they considered me getting back to the role or an equivalent role to what I'd been in. And I didn't want to, you know, I I, I didn't want to slog that out. Um, And so I was like, you know, I'd always thought that one day I'd like to have a crack at my own business, but I certainly didn't want it to be with a seven month old. And I certainly didn't want to be, want it to be early in the pandemic. Uh, So I reached out to my network and I called a couple of people and said, is this a stupid idea? And they all said, nope, nope, agriculture's great right now. Um, you know, and you'll be, you know, you'll be very employable. And within a short period of time, all three of them reached back out and said, we've got work for you. Um, when are you starting? Which gave me that little confidence that I needed. And, you know, it was really interesting when I did resign, having a conversation uh, with someone who was there that said, oh, you know, we we read it a bit wrong, um, you know, with, you know, what you're looking for is a career and not a job. And I'm like, I thought that was very apparent with me all the way through. And, you know, it, I don't think it was malicious. I think it was just perception. It's just, you know, sort of this ingrained thing that 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 goes through. And, you know, we, we're not necessarily challenged that. And the, the, the thing that frustrates me still to this day is that no one actually asked me. You know, we just make, you know, they're like, oh, yep, they're going to want to step back. That's what they're going to want to do. And that's the bit that really frustrates me.
0: Oh, absolutely. There is this maternal wall that exists within, and I say in inverted commas, in corporate, um, you know, and it does. For women, it impacts our ability to, you know, get a promotion, get a pay rise, you know, even get hired. Have you got any thoughts on... And not that we're looking, there's not a one solution. I really don't think there's this this magic little um, pill that is going to solve it all. But how do we make this easier? How do we make it better so that going out and creating your own business is the only solution? There has to be another way that we make it easier for women to finish at, you know, 10 years experience, have 12 weeks off and come back in. At, um, at 10 years experience? Because it feels like we come back in as someone that's never worked in that industry before.
2: Yeah, it's... I spend a lot of time thinking about it because you know we've got this really brilliant uh, network of mums in the Wimmera where I'm based who run their own businesses. For the most part, their businesses are in the profession and doing you know the same work that they were doing in their previous roles. In many instances, they're actually contracting back to the organisations that they worked for. Um, yet, you know, and then you've got these organisations crying out for you know competent senior leadership. I, I mean riddle me this it's sort of yeah it's and these women are still doing the exact same work at a really high level quality they might just be doing it in an evening or, or a weekend and I think I mean I'm hoping that COVID has kind of is sort of resetting that we can work when where and how we like and still be productive but there's a bit of a way to go and I think a lot of it Uh, comes down to representation. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just having one woman on a board or a committee or senior leadership, but it's having a number of them and being able to put your hand up and go, hey, this, this is the situation for us. But, you know, we're incredibly competent. This network of women that I work with, you know, we all talk about, um, you know, sharing overflow work and everyone's always at capacity. Um, And most of these women I would reach out to because I know they'll do a stellar job and they'll do it on time and it'll be fantastic. Um, So I think it's, yeah, we've, we've, we've got to be able to tell our stories and go, this is the case for us. But hey, look, you know, the, the quality of the work, I mean, the fact that we're all getting work within our businesses, it's just this, you know, this underlying perception that, you you know, we're not going to be available, um, that, you know, that sort of pervades. And I think that's, yeah, that's, that's setting us up. I've got a fabulous, uh, I sit on the GRDC uh, Southern Regional Panel and we've just been on a spring tour and uh, there's four women on that panel out of a panel of uh, 10. And we've just been on a spring tour and one of my fellow panelists, Lou Floor from Lamarou, she brings her baby and it's the second baby that she's had that she's now brought along on spring tour and panel meetings. She's in the boardroom, she's breastfeeding, she'll step out. Is she there hundred percent of the time? No, but, for when she is there and when she's able to contribute, it's fantastic. And you know, we're speaking to a former panelist who many years ago was the only female on the panel and you know, she said that oh the other panelists would be like, Well, you know, we don't think that's an issue because it wasn't their experience. So um we've gotta we've gotta change perception. And I think that comes from visibility and from telling our stories and go, actually, no, this isn't good enough. I'm good at what I do, I get it done. I just need a little bit of flexibility and I don't want to do it in a nine to five Monday to Friday setting.
0: Absolutely. Visibility, storytelling, my two favourite keywords uh, that I have spoken about so much over uh, my Agri Futures uh, Rural Women's Award journey. But you kept mentioning network, and I think that's a, a really important part of our chat today. So obviously your network has definitely helped you start a business, okay? So you you had these people around you that you could really connect into quite quickly. How do you cultivate and nurture your network?
2: Um, good question. Good question. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that's my key advice to anyone starting a business is make sure that you've got the networks to to be able to do it. Uh, so it's, you know, reaching out regularly. It's, you know, keeping on top of the networks that I have. And that's, you know, doing a good job, being really responsive, um, but taking time to have, you know, wide ranging questions, you know, what am I working on? What are you working on? You uh, you know and 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 make sure there's a social element in there as well too like you know the three people that i sort of reached out to initially i would i would consider them friends as well as as clients and colleagues so i think that's something that's particularly important in a regional setting is um you know there's got to you've got to have a, a social element to the networks as that you have as well too um in terms of you know cultivating new networks since i've been on board again you know so much of it is word of, word of mouth so that's where you know uh you know doing what i'll say i'll do um is, is is really really important for me um but also you know trying more and more to be really authentic in terms of talking about the human side of things as well as you know the agricultural the productive and the you know side of things as well too is you know really you know the work that i do is in agricultural extension and practice change and all of this comes back down to human behavior and our values um so you know yeah, trying to be really real about, you know, not just the work that you do, but who you are as a person and, you know, the impact of your work on a regional community, as well as, you know, specifically agriculture, I think is is really important in, uh, you know, getting people to consider things as a whole,
1: whole of system.
0: Yeah, the whole piece needs us to be more vocal uh, and really sit within our values. So I think, you know, say no when something doesn't you know, doesn't fit with you or doesn't align with your values. My gosh, I've got so many examples of that recently, um, especially, uh, you know, being offered some media uh, and it did not fit with who I am or who my business is and what we're trying to do. So Oak is trying to have really courageous conversations and Prue, you're such a great example of that um, and, and not about, you know, what I wear and what perfume and, you know, where are my earrings from or anything like that. It takes a lot to go back and say, "Well, actually, this doesn't this doesn't align with me and my business values." So, unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to have to decline. I'm, I'm really grateful. Now they're going to come back and say, "But." <laughs> it's great brand awareness. And it's great exposure, you know? So you've, you just, it, it's really hard. Like, this is the thing. If, if we think leadership's easy, it's not, it's going to have to, yeah, we need to step up. We need to use our voices. And, and when we see someone else doing it, it, it makes it easier for that next person. Um, are you using platforms like LinkedIn or you know facebook or instagram or even twitter i must admit i'm not on twitter much but like where are you building that network are you having really courageous conversations on any of those platforms
2: to be honest kimberly i we're not doing any marketing at the moment purely because i'm at capacity with the, like when we can't take on any new work until uh next year Uh, and so, you know, when I sit down, I hustle and I get, you know, I sit down and go, this is the work that I'm going to get done. i try to work three days a week. I've got two days with my daughter and you know, that, that time is really important and, and precious to me. So in terms of seeking new work at the moment, I'm letting it happen organically. And I'm sort of working through a referral system. Like if someone that I've never met with before comes to me, I'm like, who recommended you to, to uh, rec- recommended you to me, uh, just so that I can understand where they're coming from and how we might be able to work together and whether you know they're gonna they're gonna get how I do things. Um, in a previous life, I was a social media manager um, at the Grains Research and Development Corporation. I was the first person that did social media for them, um, so you know my life was entirely social media at that time, and it was sort of managing farmer conversations and when you've got the time difference in WA, like I just felt that I was, it it was, it was there all the time. And when I sort of stepped away from that role, um, you know, social media is something that I try not to be too too big on I think you know uh it, it's something that you know my my partner who I brought into the business with doing a couple of months ago now we're like yeah we'll get there one day but for the workload that we've got on at the moment um you know it's 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 not
0: a priority isn't that I tried to tag you in everything I couldn't so there you go <laughs> Um, yeah, no, no, don't be sorry at all. Um, social media is such a drain. Um, it's, as I said, it's, it's the one thing where I can put my phone away if I'm reading, watching TV or at the cinemas because it's, um, yeah, it's full on. But for me, that's that connection piece and building community. Um, the fact that you have launched your business really only recently, like you're still in startup phase, if, like, if you don't mind me saying that, that's in a good way. Um, but, you know, you're fully booked. Incredible. How does that feel for you? And do is there a temptation to go outside those three days? How do you keep yourself in those three days?
2: It's, there's not actually, and I've been, I've been to be strict on that. And I, I, I'm i not sure I'll be able to articulate how I do that, but I think, you know, starting my own business, I do my best work first up in the day. Like it, I will very, very rarely work at night because I just, I'm not happy with the quality of anything I do at work. But like up until three o'clock, I used to find when I was in corporates, you know, setting, you'd get to three o'clock and you'd just be there going, oh, I'm not feeling efficient. So now, you know, I get to that three o'clock and like, cool, you know, I'm going to draw a line through that, Um, you know, and I'm pretty conscious about finding time for myself as well too. So my partner and I, we've sat down and gone, you know, this is, this is the, this is what we need to make. This is, this is where we'd like to get to, but there, you know, I mean, you know, one of the joys for us in terms of um, living, you know, regionally, and we, we bought our house here ages ago, the Limerick has some of the cheapest housing in Victoria, Um, you know, There's not the need to hustle from a financial perspective and our decision to have Um, Our daughter, Millie, when we did was also, you know, you know, to have that financial security that, you know, you know, if I needed to take longer off, you know, money, money wasn't wasn't the barrier. And, you know, I've had so many women reach out to me who are like, I'd love to start my own business. And some of them have mortgages in capital cities. And the money question is a a lot more challenging for them. But, yeah, for me, you know, um, I'm only going to have the one kid. I really, really want to maximize that time with it is, you know, they say that it goes so quickly. She's two and a half now and absolutely it's flying by like that. So I really love and cherish those Wednesdays and Fridays when my partner started working with me. I'm like, oh yeah, we can split those days, but I actually really struggled to flip from work mode to mum mode and it wasn't working for me and it wasn't working for Millie. So, um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm getting pretty strict at it and getting very good at saying no through running my own business too. But not not advertising that we're working also helps in terms of managing expectation.
0: <laughs> I think the hardest thing is to say no. It's something I think we all learn and we all ask each other, like, how do you actually say no? Uh, and especially with business, because for some of us um, to say no is to say no to money. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, oh gosh, am I going to I'm going to lose that, that contract. Like it, you just chase the money in the end. Like you want to earn more so that with this big high goal of having a lifestyle that yeah, affords you to have time off. But I love how you've now gone, no, these are the, as you said, this is how much we need. Um, that fits into three days. Let's lock it in. Like I'm, I'm taking something of that away today and going, okay, <laughs> I need to get more strict. I'm yeah. like, yeah. Yeah
2: and look and and my partner as well too um you know it's I've sort of seen quite a shift in him since he's come on board as well you know he'll take the dog out for a walk every morning I bought the dog for him years ago because you know he said I want to get a dog and take it walking and I've done all the work walking up until he started you know working for me and it's just you know relieving that pressure of expectation that you have to sit down at your desk at nine and work till five and go you know this is this is what I need to do now and this is I'm going to get it done like um you know I think it's been quite freeing for both of us to have that flexibility and you know I've had some really great mentors who I've worked for previously who have been I don't care you know I don't care what your hours are as long as the 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 quality of the job is good and that's that's where we're sitting in is that you know let's let's do let's do really high quality work um you know but If we can you know the 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 ideal goal would be to sort of you know do the four-day work week we'll sort of you know work working out how that looks like but that's that's sort of that's sort of the goal i think that 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 that'd suit me nicely
0: Absolutely. I'd love to know that all those who are uh, watching us live or even listening to the podcast, like let us know, like, when is your best work hour? When do you operate best? Because, Prue, I'm totally opposite to you. And I think this comes from having worked in a newspaper on a sub editing desk where you start at two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, And it's also, I think, where my office is at home. So the sun in the morning is on the other side. I don't get it. But in the afternoon, it comes in. The office gets warm it's got this nice feel so i'm actually the most productive from three o'clock onwards um yeah i'm useless during the day uh so yeah it's it, it but this is it isn't it it's all about the flexibility um of having our own business and creating what works for us change of pace uh as you mentioned you are from the wimra uh you're from a farm as well now, a few years ago, before the birth of your daughter, before you launched your business, uh, you had another, I suppose, a really a really big moment in your life that obviously, you know, changes everything, to be honest. You lost your dad um, to cancer. Can you tell me a little bit about, and sorry to take you back to that time, but tell me a little bit about um, what impact that had on, on you and and maybe what, what you wish you had have done while he was around in terms of, you know, conversations and succession planning.
2: Yeah, and and look, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it, but it's taken a long time as we were started this off, is that, you know, talking about we've got to give things visibility and I think that means sometimes we have to get comfortable with sharing uncomfortable stories. Um, so this was back in 2016. Um, I'd always really wanted to be a farmer, And, you know, had grown up on the farm and, you know, spent as much time as I could, you know, I had ponies and, you know, uh, I mean, when you grow up on a farm, it's really, it's really embedded in you, uh, you know, in such a huge part of your childhood and who you are and how you interact with the world. And, you know, like agriculture was, you know, never something that was suggested to me as a career. It was never something that, you know dad thought that I should get into my careers. teaching teachers never suggested it to me. I really came into it accidentally. I was 17 when I finished year 12 and couldn't drive off into the sunset like I planned to and I asked dad if he'd let me drive the header for him and he thankfully said yes, and then that just sort of really started my love affair with agriculture. Is from there, you know. Anytime I was home from uni, um, you know, I'd be working on the farm. Um, you know, I, I did a did an ag science degree, um, and you know, it sort of again, it didn't seem like the farm was an option that was open to me, and it took me a little while to get to the point where I'm like, you know, I Maybe, maybe I could be on the family farm. Um, but, you know, and I tried to have some of those conversations with Dad but probably wasn't brave enough to do it and probably wasn't brave enough to ask the hard question, is it is it that, you know, is this not an avenue that's open to me because I'm female? Um, and, you know, I really wish that I'd had that conversation now because, you know, it might have challenged something and maybe had a different outcome. Because, again, like to speak about this, it's not you know like it, it you know i i don't think it you know it was nothing malicious on dad's part and for me you know i read a fabulous article years ago in the age which was about daughter succession and that we just know they're like nobody wants to go on the record to talk about this because it you know it looks like you're speaking you know ill of your family or in many instances and it was potentially that you know some of the you know secondhand information i got was oh it looks like a money grab. Um, this was before land prices were the way they were as well too. But um, but I think, you know, I've got to be open in having these conversations that, yeah, I, I, really, I really would have loved to have been a farmer and it wasn't an option that was open to me. And you're seeing that shift now and, you know, um, there was a fabulous uh, webinar last week for GRDC Farm Business Updates which was looking at the topic of daughter succession. So the dynamics around that are changing. But, you know, that whole you know, after after dad died, so he had a very short, it was six weeks from his diagnosis to his death um, with uh, lung cancer, um, you know, and I stepped, uh, you know, dropped back to part-time in my job and was helping my brother on the farm and, you know, was was really loving that. He was only 24 at the time and, you know, but realised that I needed to step away from the farm and that last day, I remember, I was driving around checking a mob of sheep and just tears streaming down my face. God, And it's the first and only time in my life that, oh, you know, Oh, we should had been a bloke. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, that, that had a really profound effect on how I saw myself and how I saw my relationship with my father. And, you know, I love him very much. Um, and I wish that, you know, perhaps I'd been braver enough early on to have a really open and honest conversation around, you know, you know, can I be on the farm? What do I need to do to make that happen? Yeah. And if not, why not?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um in terms of dealing with grief, uh were there was there something that you did to to help you through that process?
2: Well, the first thing I did was thought that if I work really 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 hard, and, you know, on the farm and in my job, I'll be able to show everyone that I should be on the farm. Yeah. And so all I did was just hit rock bottom. <laughs> so that was the turning point to get professional help. And I mean, that's been one of the best things that I've ever done in my life. Um, that was, you know, obviously after my first session, she's like, you're going to need to come back. Um, but you know, uh, it, you're justified in being angry. And if you're not angry, you should be angry. Um, and so, you know, got to spend time with her, first you unpick the grief, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the the trauma of dad's death itself and then you unpick, you know, the farm because that adds this whole other layer of complexity and then, you know, as you progressively got on top of that, you know, I was, you know, seeing seeing my psychologist for quite a long time is that you ended up getting on top of lots of other stuff that had sort of been, you know, persisting even before then. So, you know, uh, with a highly, highly stressed and anxious person, particularly in a workplace setting prior to, um, you know, all of the work that I did with my psychologist. And uh, now that I've got on top of that, you know, uh, I was sat on a panel for a bunch of um, agricultural master's students a couple of months back and, you know, like, what's the, you know, what's what's some what's some career advice, advice you, that you'd love to give your younger self? And mine was to get on top of my mental health earlier because if I'd been able to remove that weight of other people's expectation and I'd been able to, you know, um, you know, have some of the mantras that my psychologist has given me that I still use, you know, almost weekly for some of them. Um, you know, I could've I could have, yeah, been a been a happier person earlier. and um, you know, like the that doing that work was really hard, like getting on top of your mental, health is really really hard work but if you're going to expend hard work somewhere it's you know feeling feeling better about yourself and you know feeling feeling happier is a pretty good place to be doing hard work
0: oh my gosh absolutely um it's on my to-do list (laughs) this is I think we laughed about this before um I, you know, I've got friends who see psychologists, you know, I think I have my husband telling me, you need to go and talk to someone. Um, and it's like, I'll put it on my to do list. And it's getting a little higher this year, I might tick it off. But you're right, we need, again, need to prioritize our own um, emotional and mental well being. Now, you know, we live in small country towns where there is, I think, two degrees of separation between everyone. Do you find it harder to seek help in that sense um, because it's such a small community? Like is there any ever that worry that, oh my God, people are going to know that, you know, I've I'm I'm seeing a psychologist or a therapist?
2: Uh, so again, you know, for me going, all right, we've got to we've got to normalize this stuff. I'm just, you know, I've just told a, uh, uh, you know, um, whoever's watching in from wherever that this is something that I've done, um, and I've been really, really open with my family and, you know, uh, and friends and, uh, and basically anyone really. So they will be like, yep, drop in, drop in casually. Like, oh yeah, my psychologist says um, because I think I think we do need to normalize it, um, you know, and. Uh, you know, my 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 partner, um, you know, uh, he's, you know, uh, experienced a, a family trauma when he was quite young and so became familiar with, you know, um, seeking help at a very early age. And he's like, you know, you go to a doctor to get a health checkup, you know, why not do the same for your mind? It's the same thing. So mm-hmm. I think we do need to normalise it. But then you're right. The trouble that we run into in regional areas is access. And, um, you know, it can be quite expensive. I know i I reached out through a GP um, to, you know, see if I could get a mental health plan and they're like, well, it it could affect your life insurance premiums. Um, if you want to go through this. And I think I've since been told that that perhaps wasn't the correct advice. I'm not sure. So I ended up paying for it myself. But that was, you know, it's not a cheap venture if you do it that way. Uh, And then you've got to get in. Um, And I think COVID sort of, it may have made things easier in terms of you can seek help via, you know, online mechanisms, but, you know, everybody's mental health has been so challenged that availability has, um, you know, has uh, been, diminished and I've got a very good friend who has started her own business post children as well too as a clinical psychologist um and she specializes in children uh the minute she opened her business she had to close her books within two weeks because the like that that was all, that was their capacity so you know it's all very good to say you yeah, reach out and ask for help but you've got to be you've got to be able to one access it and access two it. afford it so oh. that's something we need to get better at.
0: We do. We do. And um, I mean, the only good thing coming from it is that, and I don't know if you agree, but women are getting better at seeking help and talking openly about it. As you said, there, oh gosh, there's so many friends that just drop into conversation now. Yeah. I was speaking to my therapist or I was speaking to my psychologist. Um, you know, And I think for me, uh, my kids, 16, 14, 13, 6, um, but for them to to hear us speak about seeing um, a psychologist uh, and and normalizing it is, is so important for them as well um you know I, I want to make sure that they're they're all I want to make sure that stigma is broken down for them you know and there's Absolutely. nothing wrong with them going to talk to someone from it
2: and I mean, we see that out in business all the time, you know, it's like, you know, you've got an accountant and a lawyer who, you know, you go and have, in, you're looking for independent advice. A psychologist is doing that in terms of, you know, reframing, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's 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 a really good business investment in terms of, you know, managing, you know, being able to get on top of your anxiety and, you know, it, like, yeah, it's a really good investment in my business to be able to think cohesively and not be frazzled all the time.
0: Absolutely. Um, and speaking of such, again, I'd seen um, a little study being done, I think it was by Circle In. to be honest, uh, they're an Australian based company, have a look at them, they're on LinkedIn, uh, quite big. But um, they were just saying that small business owners in particular are taking on that role because start, like, people are being more open about the problems that they're having, um, you know, whether that's domestic violence, um, you know, mental health, um, fertility issues, all of that, like that's discuss more openly in a workplace and from that you know, the small business owners, medium to small business owners are having to to shoulder that responsibility and, and not sure how to use it, you know, how to deal with that themselves. So, you know, it's just this domino effect, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, we, I do we some all need wo- that access.
2: Yeah, I do some work around improving uh, communication between generations on family farms, which is obviously, you know, heavily based on my own experience um, and, you know, getting better at communications. And you have um, agronomists who are spending, you know, so much time in utes with cars, driving around giving advice on crops and they're like, yeah, where, where that, you know, where that, you know, we're there to make some recommend, you know, some fertilizer recommendations. And next thing we're you know, yeah. you know, just supporting the emotional side of things and um, you, you, yeah, we sort of, yeah, you've got to equip people better to be able to respond to those, you know, yeah. respond to those uh, when people, when people open up, how can you not shut that down? And it's, I uh, mean, you know, it can be really uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, um, maybe there's some resources somewhere out there. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, Stacey and the team will will find something for us. To maybe drop in a in a comment later on in another day that we can. Yeah, look and see how we can support other people and each other and, and what there is out there.
2: I'm really no, loving the. Oh, sorry. I was just no, you really go. Loving, Yeah, really loving the prolific, uh, you know, you're seeing a lot of mental first aid courses as well too, which a lot of organizations are running, which I think is really valuable to be able to recognize that, you know, that's just as important as important in rural areas as treating a snake bite. So. Oh
0: my gosh. Absolutely. I think for so long, like how I've worked my way through corporate is you compartmentalize everything. So whatever's happening at home does not come to the workplace. You know, you I've I've just got this uncanny ability to be able to whatever's happening, whether it's daycare drop-off, school drop-off, to sit in that car and the five minutes it takes me to get to work or wherever, it is all boxed back up, pushed to the side and got this smile on your face. How was your morning? It was great. Thank you. It's fine. I mean, there's been some big moments in my life and I, I don't think my workplaces were ever aware of those because there was that stigma of well yeah you don't bring personal into into work um whereas again small business we're starting our own businesses we have our own rule book which is absolutely incredible and we work things the way we want them and what works for us and what's better for everyone too <laughs> now let's talk leadership um so you obviously had a an amazing um, career path and then opened your own business but also still being able to weave back in leadership into what you do which I love. Uh, so you were National Farmers Federation uh, part of their cohort last year for diversity and agriculture leadership program. I actually want to touch on that program. Tell me a little bit about it and what you got from it.
2: Yeah, so um was such a valuable program to be involved with. It was uh, very touch and go with COVID at the time, and I think regional Victoria came out of lockdown maybe the day before the um, retreat in Canberra, and so I decided to drive instead of fly, which was a nine-hour drive. Um, that retreat was so incredibly valuable and it's still certainly something that I use to this day. I, you know, only a couple of weeks ago I was meeting with a local MP to talk about a project that I'm on and remembering we did a, you know, workshop with Cathy McGowan about engaging in the political process. So I was sort of able to refer back to my notes and go, right, you know, this is what we need to be able to do do to prepare to go into this meeting and to be able to, you know, uh, to be able to have influence. So, uh, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, with your business, in terms of coming up with what your elevator pitch and, you know, talking about who you are as a person and, uh, you know, what other people, you know, articulating your value, this has all been um, really, really, really fantastic. It was just such a fantastic program What I really loved about it as well, too, was it was so friendly from a working mum's perspective. You see so many leadership programs that are, you know, year long and you have to take you know, weeks out at a time, um, you know, the huge amount of preparation that goes into it. This was, you know, a couple of days retreat. You had the mentoring element in the middle, which, you know, you you could fit that in in a time that worked for you. And then, you know, you had, uh, and again, I think that was online at the end, but, you know, a wrap-up. So it was three months, you know, never more than a couple of days time with just that retreat at the start. Um, It was, you know, Millie, Millie, you know, would have been you know, 18 months old or so at the time. So it just was really accessible to be able to go, yep, this is something that has been designed to ensure that, you know, women with young children who need to have their, you know, their um, perspectives put forward uh, to be able to build that. So, yeah, it was just really fantastic from that aspect as well too.
0: That's brilliant. Uh, In terms of leadership, are you on board? Are you doing more of it? What does that look like today in your business? Yeah, so
2: I've just uh, just within the last couple of days been announced as the Deputy Chair of the GRDC Regional Southern Panel. So sat on that panel for two years and um, have stepped up into the deputy role now, which is um, which is fantastic. And uh, earlier this year I was also the Deputy Chair of the Regional Development Australia Grampians Committee, um, but stepped off that. Again, it's sort of, you know, trying to balance, uh, you know, the, the project work the you know, learning learning to say no to stuff as well too, mm. and, and understanding, you know, when 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 it's time to move on for something. So, um, you know, we're sort of uh, yeah looking to spend a little bit more time in this uh, GRDC role, and so that's something that I'm very excited about. Really, again, sort of, um, you know making sure that the human elements are considered and, um, you know, certainly interested in, you know, the extension of research and development is uh, something that I'm really, really, really keen to make sure um, is is done well. Mm.
0: Awesome. We cannot have uh, enough people at the table helping us make decisions and and using their voice really loudly uh, in, in a way that has influence as well. Any questions for those that have joined us, pop them in the chat. Let us know. We would love to um, answer some Q&A. Uh, you know, uh, just speaking on your behalf, Prue, as well, um, both Prue and I are pretty open to answering whatever questions you do have in regards to, um, you know, mum work juggles, starting a business, family, daughter succession, farming, <laughs> all of that throw it at us um I mean this is where you get the most value I think especially in these types of forums is being to ask able to ask a question uh that you might have sitting there um just pop them in and I'm sure Stacey and the team will let us know if anything pops up
2: I'm probably a bit remiss too when you talk about leadership Kimberly's um you know is stuff that you do at the local level which you know, you sort of always fail to classify it as as leadership, but when you work in a small live in a small country town, um, you know, as something that as I run my business, I'm you know, doing a lot of community work and just constantly astounded at what we're expected to volunteer our time for that perhaps wouldn't happen in an urban environment. Um, you know, so, you know, on the local town committee, um, uh, you know, I do, do some grant writing. We um, uh, uh, held an a inaugural Dimbula Steampunk Festival earlier this year, which was a roaring success, so it was helping them out with some grant writing and um, also have just started in Dimbula. I was travelling uh, pre pre-kids, was travelling a, a town over for um, roller derby Training twice a week, and I've now started up a roller derby program here in Dibulla, which I'm really loving. As you know, it's a sport that tends to attract women who've never had a fit in traditional sports before. Um, so, you know, we've just finished our first term of a beginners program as well, and you know, pretty passionate about uh, getting women into into some kind of sport and roller derby actually forms a really important part as well as you know as well as my profession, mental, professional mental health work that I've done the um, the sport and carving out some time to do that for myself is also really important so you know local leadership we often don't think of it as leadership but you know we all do so much within our communities uh, that, that that really really comes under the leadership banner so it'd probably be remiss to uh, not talk about that and acknowledge all the phenomenal amount of volunteer work that mums do in their communities.
0: So much volunteer work. Um, Roller derby oh my God, so amazing, such a really left of field sport as well. Um, and leadership, do you know what, it's been something that I've actually struggled to define over the years. So often you're asked, um, you know, what is your version of leadership? How do you show leadership and, and all of that, especially in awards um, uh, processes? And yeah, it's been one I've always struggled with. But when we talk about roles in the community, um, it's, it's so funny, my daughter just started Uh, footy this year, Uh, under 12s. We're talking under 12E. Uh, And of course, at the start of the season, you know, the guys come around, they're like, so who would like to be team manager? Uh, And I'm like, "Mm -mm. I want to move the names on that whiteboard. I want the power where I move stuff around. But again, it just, again, I'm just seen as an admin person. And surely I'd be good at that because I'm a mum. And yeah, I'm female, but surprise to anyone that sends me an email, you know, I'm useless at that sort of stuff. Uh, So yeah, it's, it's just about trying to find those opportunities to get our foot in the door and show people that we are more than just admin and then keeping that door open and reaching through and and helping other women through uh, the ranks as well. So, oh my gosh, I could talk about that whole industry for a little bit. Now we do have a little chat. So um, one of the questions that have come through is that whether we have any advice for young women uh, fairly new in their careers who are thinking about starting families but nervous about what that might look like for their careers.
2: Have a really clear conversation about what your expectations are, you know, before before you go on, um, on MATLAB. And it's look, it is a hard question to ask as well too because you don't know, you know, is my baby going to sleep feed um you know have any health problems um you know am i going to want to stay home you know am i'm going to be itching to get back to work quickly you know like you, you know you can i was reluctant to have any of those ideas but i guess you know i would talk about perhaps not in terms of the how the what And, you know, if you want to come back at the level that you're at and, you know, working on the same stuff that you're at and you still want to be managing staff, make sure that's clearly on the table and document it all. Just, like, get get stuff in writing. Even if you send emails and you don't get any responses, I would be making it known that, you know, I want to maintain my career if that is is indeed what you want to do, um, you know, and, you know, be clear about, you know, I want this to look like some flexibility or working at home um, and then keep those lines of communication Open while you're on your mat leave. In terms of you know, once you're there, touching base regularly. Where are things at? You know, um, you know, here's here's where my thinking is at now. That would that 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 would definitely be my definitely be my suggestion. And um, you know, keep a record in writing whenever you have a conversation. Just go, just 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 putting you know, just putting this down because yeah, I had you know, it was it was really disappointing for me. Um, you know, I had a number of friends not in agriculture, not necessarily in regional areas who were like, "Oh, having so much trouble getting back into work and I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be a problem to me for me. And then when it was, it yeah, it was it felt felt even worse. So
0: Yeah. Um, mine would be that uh, you're not being difficult. So whenever you're going into sort of what you've suggested, Prue is also have that that mentality that I'm not being difficult. This is actually basic. <laughs> this is what needs to happen. Um, Because I think sometimes we worry about, oh, am I being too difficult? I'm asking all the questions. You know, I I don't want to make, um, I don't want to make it hard for everyone. Uh, This is our right. We are allowed to ask the questions and we're allowed to come back in where we want. Again, don't be hard on yourself and don't try and make any decisions really early on in terms of when are you going to come back? Because that, that piece you actually don't know until you have your little one and, and until you settle into that role. Uh, and then you might think, okay, yeah, this isn't for me or my gosh, this is amazing. I, I never want to go back to work ever again Um, and just in, enjoy the time at home. My other thing is to find some mentors and to find women who have been there and done that before. So women who I think of is um, that we've featured in the magazine are uh, women like Kate Mannix, uh, she's a CF, um, the CEO of AFS uh, and Associates. We've had a story on her. Like I know that she's worked really hard. I think she's got three kids but come back into the workforce and and worked her way up. Um, who else? Circle In. I've been watching these ladies for the last, I want to say, five years. Um, go and look them up. They are incredible. It's all about making a workplace... Uh, better for both parents both women and um, uh, you know both mom and dad uh so take a look at them they've got so much advice and it's actually world parent day tomorrow in the states um, i'm sure we can we can take that day for ourselves um but yeah just to, to have a look at that and how that might work and and have a conversation with your partner see if it is financially viable for you to roll swap like is that an option can you make that an option because um it's incredible to have looked back and seen my three having had David as their, I mean, as that, I suppose that, that's not sole parent, that leading parent, that stay-at-home parent as such. Um, they've learned such different skills. Um, and you know, admittedly, it's all about Transformers and Star Wars, and all of those shows that I know nothing about and I'm not interested in ever. (laughs) But um, look, it'd be great for them when they're on some sort of night quiz, uh, some quiz night at school. But yeah, it's just about asking the question and, and don't put too much pressure on yourself to having to know everything. Ask the question, get it in writing, find some mentors that have been there and done that. And yeah, never ever think you're difficult. And if it doesn't work in your workplace, Go and do it out on your own because you will, yeah, you'll make it work. And there's a whole community of people out there that want to support you. See if we've got any other questions. So we're getting close to time anyway. Um, I'd just like personally like to to thank everyone for joining us today and and having the chat and especially you, Pru, for being so open about uh, your experience it's it's all about visibility it actually gives other people permission to feel seen and heard Uh, and it's just one of the most powerful tools we have in in helping women advance in anything we do Uh, so yeah I really appreciate when there are people like you Prue and and everyone else there that yeah just leads from the front and and really speaks up about things Um, it makes it so much easier for the rest of us.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me talk about it. It's, as I said, it's, you know, particularly stuff with my dad has taken, taken a long time to sort of unpack and understand, Uh, you know, and the same with work as well too. Um, But yeah, I worked really hard to not be bitter about it, but use it as an opportunity to go, all right, how can I stop other people from having to be in this situation? And unfortunately that means I've got to talk about it.
0: You do. And I would also like to say um, there is something that I love to play. It's called Seven Degrees um, or Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. We won't play the actual game, but literally like anyone in Hollywood can match themselves back to Kevin Bacon in however many steps. I have a bacon number of about two or three. But what I wanted to say for you, Prue, is that you're from Dimbola You're from around Dimboola. Uh, and, yeah, I have family from that area. It's where I started my career as a journalist over in Nil. And I just love how small and connected the world is, especially when we talk women in business uh, and women from regional and rural areas.
2: Absolutely.
1: Back to you, Stacey. <laughs> Thank you both so much. Um, I think there's always so much value to hear the perspectives from other women and really genuinely appreciate all that you've both talked about and shared today. Um, I'm sure there's so much people will take away from this conversation. Um, Also, thank you to our audience. We appreciate you taking the time to tune in. Um, Please, if you ever have a suggestion on someone or a topic you wanna hear from in our group, please, don't be afraid to let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but now I guess it's, yeah, go on with your day. Have a great day, everyone.
0: Now, before you take off with all that inspiration and knowledge, we'd love for you to leave a review on our podcast so that we can continue to amplify women's voices in the media. And if you have any questions, we'd like to celebrate a win, can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Oak Magazine AU. I'm so glad we've met and that now you know a friend of mine.